Why are people asking me stupid questions? Okay, what what do I do now? <laughs> Why does everybody always say that to me? Like they can't email John Krasinski and say, "Do you know? Do you know Jessica? <laughs> do you know anybody who has twenty million dollars?" I always feel like World of Warcraft is more of a lifestyle than a game. <laughs> Remember, it's not a lie if you believe it. I need to be a, kind of by myself in my in my zone. You can only do that once. What's up, everybody? It's Chesco, the Speech Prof, and this is Bad Advice Wednesdays, the show where myself and a guest intentionally attempt to ruin your life. Please don't listen to us. Today is part two of my interview with Scott Christian Saba, and I mentioned last week that I just could not bring myself to cut out anything he said because I enjoyed it so much. So please like, please subscribe, please share this with your friends, and above all, I hope you enjoy this as much as I did. You want more advice? Dole it out gladly. You want bad advice? Man, I'll give it out gladly. I got some good advice for you. No, you don't. Fast forwarding many, many, many years. Obviously, you have uh, on Netflix, right, is where your uh, your film, how did how did that come about? I mean, or what was the process for kind of that creating that and kind of getting this this uh, this big, you know, going from where you were in video yeah. games and obviously work on TV and film to actually having a full feature animated film we um my wife and i were married in 93 so it was after sega and i was working at atari at the time so i had like a real job i graduated college and we got married and then uh a year later i got asked to go down to los angeles so we moved to los angeles and and um and i would work different jobs i worked on casper i worked on power rangers i worked on a bunch of different stuff but all i wanted was to do was spider-man and um and it took uh it was 2002 is when my spider-man you know so it was like 2001 i got the job to do spider-man and um once we did that uh i told my wife i said well i accomplished my life stream i have nothing else to live for <laughs> and so like you want to have kids and she's like sure and you know we were married for like almost 10 years at the time and and of course we had twins and uh and so the twins came out you know in 2003 and uh, I wanted to write stories for them. And so I started writing graphic novels for them, you know, just stories, pirates, stories about aliens, stories about robots, you know, just whatever um, I thought would be fun. And um, we wound up moving to Franklin, Tennessee about four years later. And I just remember we were out in the backyard. We were eating animal crackers. And, and I just had the idea. And I, I said, hey, what if when you eat a giraffe cookie, poof, you become a giraffe. And they thought it was so funny. So they ran around, oh, now you get a, a lion cookie, you're a lion. And they, so and we played uh, like that for that day. And, and I thought, this is kind of a cool idea. And so I wrote a story, a graphic novel about a boy who goes to the circus and gets a box of magical animal crackers. And he saves the animals from the circus, you know, because they didn't like being, you know, working at the circus. And um, I... I uh, I have a friend of mine. His name is Kevin Grievous, and uh, he created the the movie Underworld, and um, he co-starred in it too. He also created I Frankenstein, and and um, and he he um, saw that I was getting a lot of studios were optioning my movie, my books into movies, Disney, Fox, whatever, um, but nothing would ever happen. Like you know, they take it off the market essentially for three years, and then the rights would come back. He's like, you know what you should do? You should write your own screenplay. And I was like, I don't, I don't know anything about writing screenplays. <laughs> and he's like, I was a microbiologist when I wrote Underworld. And here I am now, I'm a screenwriter. Because you don't need training to write a screen. You know, I'm sorry to all screenwriters out there for me saying that, but you know, you don't. And 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 so I I wrote a screenplay 
And then once I had a screenplay, a friend of a friend, um, his brother worked for Harvey Weinstein. This was before Harvey Weinstein was known to be who Harvey Weinstein was. And so got put in front of him and um, he loved it. He wanted to turn into a movie, but he was going to keep all of the money. And so I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. And so that was when we kind of just decided, well, let's see if we could do this ourselves. And it took about three years of, because I'm probably, I was probably in a worse position than you are. You know a lot more people right now. But at the time, I was just some artist in Franklin, Tennessee, going, reaching out to all my friends going, do you know anybody who has $20 million? <laughs> you know, it's just, and, and, and it's amazing how there were 12 people between me and the person who finally gave us the first like $10 million in China. And um, it was this person knew this person, met this person at a party, but, and it just was this game of telephone. But somehow magically we got money. And next thing we know, we had money to make a film. And, uh, and it was completely done independently so I could do whatever I wanted to. And so it was just like, Hey, let's get Sylvester Stallone. Let's get Danny DeVito. Let's get Ian McKellen. And, and, uh, the funny thing was, is that this was 2014. I didn't, we had, like, we were talking to, um, a bunch of different actors for Owen and Zoe, the main characters. And they were, you know, husband and wife. And uh, we just couldn't get, it was either like Justin Timberlake said yes, but he wanted twice as much as everybody else and we couldn't afford it, blah, blah, blah. And um, so I remember Jamie Thomason, our casting director says, um, I think I can get John Krasinski. And I said, I don't know who that is. And he's like, <laughs> <laughs> He's in a TV show called The Office. And I was like, oh, I've never seen The Office. He goes, trust me. He goes, I think he's going to be big one day. I'm like, all right. You know, we'll, like we've already got Stallone and DeVito and we got McAllen and yeah, it's fine. Guess we could take the small yeah, take name the guy. Small right? and, and then he's like, okay. He goes, and also he goes, um, what do you think of Kaylee Cuoco from The Big Bang Theory? I was like, I never saw The Big Bang Theory. You know? And and right now it's my wife's favorite show now, right? You know, but um, so I was like, that's fine, you know? And, uh, so they sign on and I fly out to Los Angeles and I meet John, who's the nicest guy in the world, right? Sweetheart. Kaylee doesn't show up. Kaylee Cuoco doesn't show up. Like, okay. So, you know, work with him. The next day I work with Danny DeVito. I work with Raven Simone, Patrick Warburton, you know, and we're, you know, I fly back home a couple weeks later, next session, come out. John's there. He's fantastic. Kaylee Cuoco doesn't show up. Okay, you know, so same thing happened. So the third time I go out there, she didn't show up. And I was like, we're, we got to finish the movie. And, you know, and, and, right. uh, <laughs> and poor John's like, you know, hey, you know, but, um, you know, you don't say what's going on. We just go, oh, there was a, you know, scheduling conflict or whatever you tell me. But um, so, you know, Jamie had to call and say, okay, look, you know, we're just going to cancel the contract and, you know, since you're not showing up. So we're kind of bummed because what are we going to do? This is a really big role. And, um, so I was kind of feeling really off and, and just cause my mind was on that and I'm hanging out with John in the studio in between takes. And, um, cause John's just that kind of guy who just wants to just chat, you know? And, 
And he's just like, you know, hey, he goes, you know, my wife was reading your script and she just thought it was absolutely amazing. And and I was like, oh, well, please thank her for me. Because I had no idea who John was married to because I had yeah. no idea who John was, <laughs> you know. And and so fortunately, the mics were hot and Jamie and my co-director, Tony Pinkroft, come running in and they're like, hey, would uh, would your wife want to be in the movie? I'm like, why are you asking this poor man? Are we that desperate that we're just yeah. saying, hey... <laughs> Mrs. Krasinski is going to be, you know, yeah, and and um, and they're like, shut up, shut up, you know, and and I'm like, was his wife is Emily Blunt? No, and, and and I was like, you're not married to Emily Blunt. He goes, why does everybody always say that to me? Like everybody's always shocked that he's married to Emily Blunt, and uh, but he just picks up his phone. He goes, hey babe, you want to be in Animal Crackers with me? And she's like, sure. And that's how Emily Blunt came on the film. Wow. And and kind of the whole movie worked like that it was like you'd hit a roadblock and then we would just find a different way around it and things would work out and um and it was just as amazing as you would expect it to be to have to have you know we had three investors who gave us 19.5 million dollars and just said go make a film and my wife and i just made a film and uh you know with all of our friends and, you know, we got to fly out to Spain and London and, you know, uh, New York and Los Angeles and, and just experience all the things. And we got to meet, you know, like all our favorite musicians like Howard Jones and Huey Lewis in the News and Toad the Wet Sprocket and Michael Buble. And, you know, it was like really, really cool. And and we got to watch Bear McCreary conduct an orchestra and, and um we did a screening at Warner Brothers for uh, all of, you know, a bunch of the actors and musicians and a lot of the crew. And the screening room that we rented out was where Mel Brooks uh, screened uh, Blazing Saddles to the executives. You know, it was like, wow. it was just so cool. Yeah. Just like be on the <laughs> lot and you're like this. To feel the history. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> this is my movie playing on the end, you know, and it was just. It was just, there were so many wonderful, wonderful moments that we've spent the last few years just going, we want to do that again. You know, that's that we really want to experience that again. It was just so creatively because, you know, you're thinking on so many different levels of story and visuals and timing and editing and music and, and just marketing. And there's so many creative things that you can do. And um, we loved it. It was amazing. Uh, I think it's what what I love hearing uh, and seeing because it's something I've on a much smaller level uh, that I'm I'm going through myself. Where you said your dream was to do a Spider Man uh, game, right? That was like, and then you reach that dream and you're like, okay, what what do I do now? <laughs> yeah. Like, what's what's next? Right? Like, my dream was simply to be a professor. Uh, and, and I got that and I'm like, okay, what do I do now? Then, then I was like, okay, well, I want to own a house. And now we, 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 we own a house. We have a mortgage. We, we yeah. own a, you know, could have own yeah. a house. Uh, and I was like, okay, what, what do I do now? And, and so it's, it's, it's a really interesting and it's a very obviously privileged and blessed thing to be able to be in a situation now where we get to then, uh, think what's, what's the next dream, you know, what's the, uh, what's the next goal after having achieved certain things that you kind of probably thought is a pipe yeah. thing, is something that probably won't ever and really you happen. you were really smart to, to say it is very privileged because there are so many people who never can achieve even small dreams, you know? And, and um, 
but I've I've found that there are there are goals that we set for ourselves that are attainable with hard work and you know like I want to graduate school or you know or I want to learn how to ride a bicycle or something and I think those need to be celebrated as well um there's those and then there's the like you said it's like I want to make a movie one day or I want to right. be the artist on <laughs> Spider-Man one day and right you work hard towards that but you both have to be realistic that that happening has very little to do with how hard you work and a lot to do with luck. And, and, Absolutely. um, and you've, you've given some great examples of that kind of, of just how things just happen yeah. to work out. Yeah. Right? I mean, and, and, and even just getting the funding was complete luck. It, 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 right. it, it hasn't happened again. I mean, you would think, Hey, they've already done a movie. It was a really big, you know, it was the number one movie on animal uh, on Netflix. It was, you would think I would have people throwing money at me. No, because it, it was a, it was it was like getting struck by lightning. It was it, and and same thing. I haven't gotten any more offers from from Marvel to do any more books for that. You know, and so you. But I think people see that, and they. I've seen a lot of people who are successful, say that it was due to their hard work, and mm-hmm. and I remember, I'm not name dropping, but it was good advice. Um, Michael Blue Michael Buble was telling me, that. Um, his success is, you know, 80% luck. He says there are a million people who could sing like him. He said he was just at the right place at the right time. And the fact that he acknowledges that, he knows that, you know, he has talent, he, he, he's, he's a hard worker, but none of that means anything without that opportunity, without that luck. And, and, and I, I think I feel like people are afraid to it. Like if they admit that there was luck was involved, then that means they didn't work yeah. hard. And that's absolutely not true. You still need to be a hard yeah. worker. You still need to do the craft. You need to do all the all the things, the details to get um, to be able to be ready for when that that door opens yeah. or for when that opportunity and that luck happens. But there, like you said, and like you said, Michael Bublé said, there are some of the most talented singers, actors, artists that are still working. You know full-time just trying to pay yeah. the bills just trying to keep the lights yeah. on and that doesn't mean they're any less talented it just means the luck didn't happen for them in that regard exactly and 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 i and i think that that needs to be um echoed by a lot of a lot more professionals because um everybody has dreams um but mm-hmm. people get so myself included disillusioned when you work so hard and 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 you see people with no talent you know doing what you and you're going why is this person you know like why did arnold schwarzenegger have you know make so much when you had these wonderful actors you know and it was charisma it was the it thing it was it was luck it was the right place to write and it wasn't that Arnold Schwarzenegger didn't work hard at it, but he was not nearly as talented as an actor as 90% of the people who were working. And, uh, but you look at that and, and as an artist, you see artists who are like, I, I don't know why anybody's, yeah, I don't know. And you go, it's, it's just, you feel bad because you go, why am I not getting my opportunity? Why am I not getting my chance? I'm working hard. I think my work is really good. Um, my mom likes my stuff, you know, it's like, she says it's the best she's ever seen, you know, and, 
but I, I, I just think more people need to know that there is so much that goes on in life that you have no control over. There's so much, so much going on that you just have no control over. And it's hard to accept that. It's so hard to accept that. I think that's, I, I think that's a wonderful transition right <laughs> here uh, to, uh, to moving on to a more sillier side of, uh, of this podcast. And that's where Scott and I are going to give some bad advice to people with no content to questions submitted without context. Um, I could honestly, this could be a four hour interview. I, I've really enjoyed this so far. This is, I have so many oh, more things yeah. I want to talk about. I almost, sometimes I'm like, why did I make this gimmick for this podcast? Cause I just want to keep talking about that. <laughs> we can always do a part we got two. It. We'll, we'll do a part two. Yeah. yeah, we might need, we might need to. <laughs> All right. So, uh, moving on to bad advice is a reminder to everyone watching. These are questions submitted with the intention or the understanding that Scott and I are going to give them bad advice. Uh, so question number one, I never got in trouble as a kid. Give me an interesting backstory I can tell people. Oh, um, I would say Chesco's going to go first on this one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think, uh, I, I think the, the, I, I would probably just go as extreme as possible and just, just make people, you know, it's kind of like how they talk about if you go to prison, you got to, you know, punch the toughest yeah. guy in the nose. Uh, on the first day, you got to, you got to make sure people know that you're, you're some, you're a wild guy. Yeah. And I think you just, you talk about how all, you know, when you were younger, you used to rob banks. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and, uh, you used to, uh, just get away with it and, uh, and no one ever found out it was you. I think maybe you could, so you could either go like the evil villain route that yeah. was never, never caught. Uh, you could, uh, just name drop celebrities, yeah. uh, that you were, that you grew up. That would be another kind of fun way. Cause no one can double check that. You know, sure. if I told you right now that, I mean, maybe you could double check some of these because <laughs> of <laughs> some of the people, but if I said to you that I grew up. And one of my childhood best friends was John Krasinski, yeah. right? We're roughly <laughs> the same age. Nobody could fact check yeah. that. They can't email John Krasinski and say, do you know, you know, Chesco, especially if you're not a creator. So I think, I think that might be the better route. I think you find a celebrity that you know that nobody can contact and you just tell people that they were, they were your best friend growing up and, and, uh, you're, you're not surprised at their success. Yeah. Um, and you're probably, and then they're going to ask questions, but you can just say, you know, they've asked me not to really talk yeah. about it. And they'll hopefully they'll respect that. All right. So I, I think, um, uh, George Costanza, um, told Jerry Seinfeld when he had to do a lie detector test. And he said, remember, it's not a lie if you believe it. And mm. I think that is, uh, advice. I, I would say, um, morals are man-made. And, uh, you know, there is no good, there is no evil. So who's to say what's bad, you know, what you, what you call good could be bad. But so I say, make you, you're your own God. You're your own be, be, you know, you be the arbiter of what is good and evil. You get to choose not, not society. I like that. <laughs> it is funny. There, there are certain, um, stories I tell as a professor, cause I, I do a lot of kind of narrative lectures where I, I try to embed the concepts from the class into stories yeah. as opposed to just saying like theorist X said this, or this is what the book says. Um, and there are certain stories that are real stories that I've adjusted slightly 
but I've been telling them that for 20 years in the classroom and I can't remember what parts I changed. <laughs> so it, it kind of goes along with it. Is it, is it, is it true? I th- I think <laughs> you know I think I think most of the details I are, think, are true I think in there, if, and I believe if you, it's if right. you think of for the last how long did you say you've been saying this uh, almost twenty almost twenty years, years yeah. you have how many students who are now repeating those stories it's right. going to become true now <laughs> so right <laughs> I actually used to uh, sorry I'm going off on this one I was a tour guide at uh, San Francisco State University uh, for for years and um, part of <laughs> This is bad. I, this is I might cut this later. Um, but I got really. I have ADHD. I mentioned that before, and I got really bored saying the same things over and over again. So I started making up um, things about the different like art pieces on campus because <laughs> I thought they'd be more interesting. The problem was I did it for for I was there for six years and I was a tour guide all for five of those six years. So in the end, I would have newer tour guides that were listening to me give tours, and then I heard them telling oh, my stories. No on their tours. And so it, it is an interesting philosophical question of if more people have heard my made up story than the actual story, what's the what's real, the real story? story? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would, I'm going to be interested. Now I want to go back and go on a tour and okay. see if any of oh those my. stories have stuck Your around. Legacy because it was continues. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to question number two. Uh, this is one I think, uh, if I remember correctly, you play World of Warcraft or played yeah. World of Warcraft, um, and I also I wrote my master's thesis on World of Warcraft, <laughs> so we're we're definitely have that uh, in common. But this is someone asked, how can I convince my husband to play World of Warcraft with me? Oh, oh, absolutely. You, what you want to do is you want to uh, cosplay as one of the elves. Um, mm. Midriff open and everything like that, and mm-hmm. learn all of the emotes. So you can do okay, that. Okay. Um, if if you really want to do, um, TikTok is doing a lot of those NPC things. So dress mm. up, get in front of the thing, and you can make a lot of money. And I think that money will definitely convince your husband. I think money money yeah. talks, right? Money convinces people, right? Money and elf cosplays. <laughs> I, and I think, right. I think um, make sure, uh, I, and I think another thing you can do is just lie to them about the time commitment. Um, eventually after they've sunk enough time into it accidentally, they're going to be so attached to it that they're just going to keep. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) First one's free. First. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We, uh, I tried to, for a while I got my wife to play with me. Um, but she doesn't, she likes video games that it's just us uh, playing it. So we still game together. Although like right now we're doing, uh, tears of the kingdom, uh, together. That's kind of our thing. The kids go to bed and we play video games together. Um, but, uh, we were playing a while for a while and it's just the, you know, once you reach a certain level, you have to group up with other yeah. people. And that was, that was the deal breaker for her. She was like, no, yeah. <laughs> I think we're done with this game. <laughs> uh, do you still play with your, uh, your family? With my son. Um, yeah. And sometimes the two boys will play together cause they're, you know, off in college, different places, but yeah, Donna, no, no, she just. No. We tried the new dragon <laughs> one together and she just she screams and she curses and she's like, I'm stuck in lava. Why am I stuck in lava? You know, and she's, and so she's, uh, no, you don't want it. You don't want to play games with her. I think my problem with gaming and one of the reasons I, I actually stopped when my wife was pregnant with my first child. Uh, cause I knew, I always feel like world of Warcraft is more of a lifestyle than a game. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I knew that I could not. I don't know if it's just a personality trait and maybe it's an ADHD thing, but if I play something, I need to be at a certain level. Yeah. 
Uh, I can't just kind of casually, casually play every once in a while yeah. play it. And so I, I knew I had to discontinue my account because uh, it was just there was there was no way I was going to get enjoyment out of it if I uh, <laughs> if I just played it like a like a quote unquote normal yeah. person. Uh, <laughs> All right, let's go on to uh, question number three, and I think this will be a great one for you. Uh, I've convinced all my friends in college that I'm an artist, but I've never drawn anything. Help. So not really a question as much as a plea for help. I saw I saw a fantastic interview with George Clooney. And um, gosh, I'm trying to remember the actor's name. Um, he was in he was on Mad About You. He played Ira. No, was it Ira. The he's got, he's he's um, he did one of the voices for Bugs Life. He's got that really peculiar voice, the big chin. Okay, is it uh, is it John John Panko? No, the other one, the other. No, trying to find it. This guy. It, we'll, we'll oh, maybe I'll Google it and I'll add yeah, it in yeah. post it in post. <laughs> so, for those of you listening at home, the name we were trying to think of was Richard Kind. Um, they were roommates, you know, back in the day, and um, George Clooney found uh, a, a, like a, a bargain, you know, you know, like a, a bin. Uh, painting and uh for you know two dollars he picked it up and he uh uh put it up on uh, you know like uh on an easel and got some paints and dirtied himself up and then when his roommate came in he's like what do you think and then he's like oh my god that's amazing i didn't know that you could paint oh yeah 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 and he kept doing that he kept like just finding these, and 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 to the point to where his friend was like, "You need a gallery show," and was trying to get him to and and and. So I think that is a wonderful way is to steal other people's art mm. and throw some paint on yourself and just come out of the room like you're exhausted. You've just had this great epiphany. What do you think? You know, and there you go. Or maybe a modern day version of that. They could just do. Speaking of stealing art, you know, they they use AI. AI. Uh, create some some literal literal fake stolen art that can't be traced anywhere, <laughs> yeah. uh, and then just put and just say you know you you can kind of play into the artist thing where you can't I just I can't draw around other people yeah I need to be a, kind of by myself in my in my zone. The muse is very uh, for fickle. It. The muse is you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> if I try drawing in front of you, it just won't. <laughs> I, I'm curious. How do you feel about, uh, you know, I, I know there's such a, I don't know if this is a controversial yeah. topic, but how do you feel I've about I've done a couple the, uh, videos AI on art? it. Um, and um, I, you know, I, I, I think it definitely is stealing from artists. Um, I uh, did one video where I talked about where it can benefit artists is using it as inspiration. Use it as like a, like a, a jumping off point. So you could just type in, I'm thinking of, you know, Pride and Prejudice done, you know, in the style of Gustav Klimt or something. And then just seeing, go, mm-hmm. oh, I kind of like this. And you could take that as inspiration. So using it kind of like that, I think is good. But um, I think, uh, I personally think that Pandora's box has already been opened. I just don't think uh, mm-hmm. once the technology has been made and made public, it's going to be used. It's going to be used whether we like it or not i think the more we can regulate it the better but every country is going to regulate differently and some countries aren't going to regulate it at all um but 
I think it's hurt digital artists the most. I don't think it hurts traditional artists as much um, because it's, it's um, until they create, and it's not that they can't, but I don't see the benefit of it, but until they create AI arms that will literally dip paint it, you know, brush it. I, I, there's, there's, you know, I mean, printers just don't look the same as, you know, that. So I think, you know, there, there, the, the movement I would suggest to my fellow artists would be they can't duplicate traditional art, pick up a pencil and paper, Mm -hmm. draw, you know, but, uh, I think my, my kind of, my, uh, prediction, I guess, for the future is that I, I think AI art is going to be elevator music as, as it relates to art, right? I don't think it's, like you said, it's not, it's not going to replace traditional art, but even with digital art, I feel like when it comes to purchasing from an artist, right. Or when it comes to actually wanting someone to draw my likeness, I, you know, I, back before I knew the ethics of anything too, I did all the, the AI art where I'd throw my face in and it was never something like, Oh, I'm going to frame that and put it on my wall. It was like, Oh, that's, that's cool. Like that for what, what one moment, um, right, and I, I could easily see, especially as we're inundated with more and more AI, as the years go by, there's almost being like a, a, a like a renaissance of of people wanting things that were made by yeah. hand. Because I feel like when when I buy art or when I look at art, and and I don't know, maybe I'm maybe I'm too optimistic about the world, but when I and I, but I feel like this is the, the, a, a bigger feeling for most people is the the thing that makes it something that touches me or that I connect with is the, the humanity behind it. It's the fact that a person took their pen, whether it's a digital pen or uh, an actual uh, paintbrush and, and created that. And then all of a sudden, I think in my mind as a non-artist and not non-professional artist, I'm like, I want to do that. I want to try that. I I wonder if I could do that versus I wonder if I could type that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Right. And so I think it's like you said, it's not going away. It's, it's kind of, it is here to stay. And so I think fighting against it and pretending like it doesn't exist uh, isn't going to happen. But I feel like for, there is going to be a, a, a want from the public of real art and the companies that see that seize on that and realize that um, are going to be the ones that have long-term success going forward. Um, But there's obviously going to be a bunch of, knockoff stuff that is done by yeah probably not and and we'll probably for the most part will be none the wiser for the the random kind of generic things you see it is very hard sometimes to tell the difference between digital artists and ai they're getting really good Mm -hmm. yeah the ai so Mm -hmm. i i I feel bad for them all right let's do one last question Uh, i want to give my partner the most memorable gift ever but i'm not very creative what should it be? A baby. Okay, <laughs> that's a, that's a surprise oh, gift yeah, right there. Yeah. Right? <laughs> they'll 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 love it forever, and uh, and they will. The more babies, the more that they'll love you. And I think if we want to go real bad advice, it doesn't need need, need to be one you made. <laughs> Just buy a baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is ours now. Um, <laughs> Uh, I'm kidding. One of my favorite, and this is me kind of going off uh, the bad advice for a second. I always, whenever someone asks me what I want for a gift, I'm always like, make me something. Uh, and, and it goes kind of goes back to what we were just talking about. I always, there's something so meaningful to me about when someone just sat down, even if it's, you know, objectively, quote unquote, a bad 
piece yeah. of art or a bad uh, uh it, it's not something you could sell resell to anybody it is something i display and love yeah. and it's something that means so much to me and so um i i do think whenever it comes to gifting and i think i think i do think that's universal if, you, if you, it's it's the time that goes into something that just makes it feel yeah. so much more precious than than just finding out oh i spent 50 bucks yeah. at the store uh, i'd say it's funny because <laughs> i always feel because I, I i will i will gift art um but you can only do that once <laughs> like it's right. like oh that's, that's fair you know you're friends with someone <laughs> for 40 years you know it's like oh that's fair. look that's another fair. painting what a surprise you know <laughs> it's like you know but uh so yeah so i always feel bad because it's like for me creating something it's like oh you know that's fun for me and but it's just like i just imagine the person going oh look he didn't spend any money again he just <laughs> <laughs> what is funny that uh because i was before i got into uh social media i was like i was a kind of a semi-professional photographer and i did like uh really kind of artistic photography um like where it was a mix of 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 drawing on the photos and then kind of doing stuff um and before uh and so so i'll take photos from my fa- of my family and i'll spend you know 40 hours doing something for earth like something for my wife and it's just like okay cool thanks uh, but it's, and it's, and that sounds like I'm, I'm not trying to say anything negative about her but it is interesting how when it's something that they're so used yeah. to it's it's no longer as special versus if she didn't know that i did photography and it was something that just seemed like a surprise it would all of a sudden mean or if i'd spent the same amount of time i spent editing those photos building a shed yeah. outside or yeah. something <laughs> that it, for some reason it seems like so much more meaningful yeah. when when you know it's not their specialty so i guess you're right <laughs> well scott uh this has been absolutely fantastic i i do want to give you a chance to uh to share some good advice uh before we <laughs> before we end the show but before we get to that i was like to ask you know where where can people follow you if people want to see your art and hear your stories uh where, how do they find um, you i am on youtube instagram i'm i'm pretty much everywhere uh youtube is my favorite place i think uh and it's just s sava art or you can just look up scott christian sava and uh i'm, I'm pretty googleable and uh but yeah <laughs> i i i try my best to read all of the comments you know, respond to the ones that I can. Um, I spend a good deal amount of time. I think it's a relationship and, uh, and I think, um, you know, you have to put time into that relationship and, and I know it gets harder and harder with the more followers you get. And, but I, I think that's, um, you know, those are good problems to have. And, uh, and, and but I, I do feel that you, you need to, um, nurture those relationships and, um, you know, I, I think the more people you can respond to and, and help and, and, and whatnot, because, uh, it's really weird, um, realizing, uh, you know, I'm 54 years old and, you know, like when I started doing TikToks, I would get people asking me, they're like, um, what do you do with the paint water when you're done? You know, like, <laughs> you, you, you dump <laughs> it out, about you know, that. and it's like, and they were like, you know, well, you know, like, uh how do you sharpen a pencil or, you know, it, it, it's like the most, it, it, you realize that there are people like, I, I started to get upset about it. Like, why are people asking me stupid questions? And, and then I then I realized if my kids came up to me and asked me that I would uh-huh. patiently 
and with a smile on my face, answer that question. And there's, there's this responsibility I think we have as the older generation um, to nurture young people with questions. I love the fact that they're willing to ask those questions. And, um, and so we always say there's no stupid questions, you know, and, uh, but I, I, for me, I love that interaction. I love being able to, um, see people genuinely curious on either how to make art or how to be a better person or how, you know, how have you been in a relationship this long? And, you know, things like that. I, I love answering those questions. I think it's fantastic. I think one thing that uh, I wasn't prepared for and I'm much better at now is um, now I just try to assume the best intent yeah. in the comment sections, but there's so much toxicity that exists out there sometimes that it's it's hard not to get defensive and to read into, are you asking me that because you're mocking yeah. me or are you asking that because you, you're genuinely interested? <laughs> um, and I, I found I found myself a lot happier as a creator by just assuming the yeah. best and and trying to, you know, brush off the, uh, the, if, if they, if I was wrong, if it was a negative thing. Um, but it's definitely, it's, it's an art in itself in, in attempting to, uh, to keep that positivity because people, people on the internet do try to, they try to rain yeah. on that. <laughs> as I, much yeah, as they that's get. why I really like, uh, YouTube has, um, hide this user from the channel, um, which means that they're hidden from everybody, including myself, but they don't know it. So they're still exposed to that positive, you know, content as much as they're going to see it. And they could type whatever negative things, but no one's going to see it. Whereas I think blocking them, like, why is everyone being so nice to this guy? They're not reading. (laughs) Exactly. But if you block them, then they're like, ah, I got them, you know? And I, and so I don't Mm -hmm. like, or they come back on another account to. Exactly. So this (laughs) way people, there are thousands, if not tens of thousands of people on YouTube who have been saying so many horrible, horrible things to me that I haven't seen. And they think that, and I love it. I love it. All right. To end the show, I like to have my guests kind of after we've given some bad advice. And and actually, I think we've got a lot of good advice in the show too. Um, But I'd like to ask just if there's something that advice either you were told or a life experience that happened to you or just some sort of mantra that has stuck with you. Um, that you'd like to share, whether it's as a person, as an artist, or or both, um, that you'd like to share with uh, with my followers. I I um I've really uh, as I've gotten older, I've really taken to heart Mister Rogers, um, and and I think for me, it's I love you just the way you are, um, and 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 that's very condensed of the way that he said it. Um, but, um, I, I think even me learning about, um, autism, um, uh, but everybody has something that they're going through. Everybody has their differences, everybody. Um, and when we're young, we want so much to be like everybody else. And, uh, and I think we should celebrate our individuality and um, see people for how lovely that they are. And, uh, and so that's something I've been trying very hard to do um, to, to um, 
I've been trying to make my art more diverse, to try to to make my stories more uh, inclusive, to to open myself up to new um, things going on in the world and and what other people are going through, um, to try to empathize better with with them, um, and uh, and I think that's something that we're always going to be doing. Um, and and should always be striving to do but you know when you're young you're so self-centered you know um not i wouldn't say narcissistic you're you're learning about yourself you know and um but i think as you start to discover more about yourself you you need to learn more about others and and um and i think seeing people through those empathetic eyes um, will make the world a better place. Well, I can't imagine ending on a on a better note <laughs> than that. Uh, thank you so much, Scott. This has been one of my favorite things about this podcast is that I've been able to now connect with some of the people that I've admired and only really interacted with through yeah. text. And this is this this could not have gone better. Thank you so much. It's my for pleasure. Us. I had such a great time. And that was Bad Advice on a Wednesday. If you enjoyed today's show, please like, please subscribe, share it with your friends, drop a five-star review. You can always support us financially at patreon.com slash thespeechprof. All links of everything we talked about will be available in the show notes. And most importantly, remember this is intended to be bad advice. Please do not listen to anything we said. I'm sorry. Okay, dope rhyme slinger, good advice giver. Listen for a second, let me try and paint a picture. Raises coming up and you want your check bigger. Moving quiet just won't get you seen. Your boss a clicker, uh.